0: Welcome to Forecast, the Foreshadow podcast, seeking glimpses of heaven on earth through conversations about people's lives and work. Foreshadow is a spirituality literary magazine rooted in the Christian faith. I'm Josh, the editor of Foreshadow, and today's episode continues our theme, Called Forth, Vocation and Faith. I'm back in the studio with my brother, John Seligman, actually not the studio, we're chatting on Zoom, but he's John Seligman, a primary, or if you're in the US, elementary school teacher in Chula Vista, California. He has been teaching for seven years now. John has been a guest twice before on Forecast, so do listen to those episodes if you haven't already. In episode two, called Blessed Are Those Who Mourn, John described how he organized a performance in tribute of a beloved teacher who had died. And in episode 13, Singing Tomorrow's Song, John and I unpacked the album Departures by singer-songwriter John Foreman. And now I'm looking forward to speaking with John again on Forecast, exploring vocation, primarily through his work as a music teacher. So, John, welcome back to Forecast.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So, apparently, uh, now that I'm at three, Pete, uh, do I get paid now?
0: Good to have that I'm in the studio. <laughs> i wish that was yes yeah, nice, no I, I,
1: i'm totally kidding
0: <laughs> well i thought we'd open up this conversation um, with a kind of hopefully a fun question could mm-hmm. you describe one of your favorite places on the campus of your school and why do you like it
1: Ooh. oh uh favorite places on campus hmm. well i mean i'm gonna be biased and i really do enjoy my classroom there's a lot of fun things to mess around with in here uh but favorite places nonetheless uh, or should i say not the loneliness, but beyond the um classroom i'd say is we it's this place called the quad um it's this open area where uh it's just it's an open area and um we have our performances. Sometimes it's our. We do have an multi purpose room, an NPR where our performances are. But the uh, but the quad is just this open open place where people can get together. We have a lot of assemblies there, and it's a space where we can not have to shove everyone like sardines, but everyone can get together to do X or Y, mm. be it a spring music concert, because um, we're going to okay. be doing that this year, sent mm. uh, due to COVID restrictions. Um, okay in the outdoors nice. um or be it a friday farewell farewell we're at the end of every quarter we have the whole school gathered together we do a couple announcements we sing a uh, final song as we send people off so it's just a good place it's a place i feel like a memory for all the students that are here especially if they get come here from kindergarten to sixth grade uh it's kind of that, that uh, a tradition what not right our traditions are always held there and then also be- uh, before school and after school people just walk around, hang out, uh, not really hang out, but mm-hmm. walk around amid, amidst the quads. It's just a nice open area that so many memories are created.
0: Nice. Yeah, it sounds like a real, also a communal area, like for where community mm-hmm. is formed. I know community is a big value that you have in your teaching.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely.
0: So could you maybe describe a typical day for you as a teacher? And maybe your days aren't typical because as a music Fair. teacher, it's not like a normal... Uh, teaching job where you have the same routine, but um, if it's atypical, if you could just describe that for us.
1: Um, it is chaos every day. <laughs> and we make harmony off of it. I uh, know. Okay. Um,
0: Cosmos out of chaos.
1: Exactly. Thank you, Longle. Um, a typical That's day a- would be, <laughs> yeah, recording Walking on Water. Yes. <laughs>
0: uh, I'm out of the an mango. Yes. Okay.
1: Yep. <laughs> Rest your soul. Um, so, typical day. <laughs> um i i get here at six o'clock school starts at eight though i try to have two hours because um it just helps me not rush to a certain a certain thing but i'm realizing there's so much for me to take care of that i still feel rushed nonetheless despite the fact that I have two hours wow. but i get here two hours uh prior i get chairs out uh well i move things around i clean up because also another reason i get here two hours prior is because i'm here late um which we'll find out later in our scheduling but uh, i get here late so i kind of want to just after my last activity, I try to head out as soon as possible. So in the mornings also lo- allows me to mm. clean up from okay. some of the things that happened the day before. Um, I write out some of the, some of my announcements. My, the, my students read their morning announcements, but as the music teacher, there's always th- things that are happening. So I write out what's happening um, from my end, be it you know, choir, rehearses, blah, blah, or band. Make sure you bring an instrument in yourself and your brain, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so I send that to our ASB coordinator, associated school body, Uh, I think it is what it is. Um, And then, uh, you know, and then eight o'clock hits. We have the first class. Classes are about 40 minutes, more or less, depending on which week it is. Um, Every other week, it's just me. The other alternating alternating weeks, I have my other VAPA team, so our schedule is constantly in flux. It's both, there's a pattern to it, but it's also in flux. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And then I teach Either in a range of six classes to eight classes a day. And then um, there's a lunch somewhere there. Sometimes students walk uh, in asking if they could use one of, my, one of the recess balls that I have. Um, Sorry, one of the I balls? Have recess balls. So, you know, either wall ball or basketball. Oh, or, gotcha. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and why do you have those
0: in your classroom? Just out of curiosity. The,
1: sure. Yeah. Uh, because when it is the alternating weeks with my VAPA team, my recess is at a different time. So then the rest of the school. Okay. okay. For for that reason, instead of students going to their class, grabbing a recess ball, coming back, going to recess, we just expedite the process and we have our own set of recess balls that we Uh, give out during our rotation of recess.
0: Okay. And VAPA is visual and performing arts.
1: That is correct. Yeah. Which is a very unique term to California and the West Coast, I believe. So yeah, visual performing arts. Yeah. So, uh and also sometimes like uh near the end of the day, um if it's a music weeks I have concert band that's pulled out. I also before concert band, sometimes I have students that like just want to hang out in the music room during their lunch. Mm-hmm. So I allow them if I have the time and capacity for that. Okay. Um and then after school, most after school, most days after school, I have uh choir from two thirty to three hmm. thirty. Uh yeah, school ends okay. at two fifteen, but we have an after choir from two thirty to three thirty. And then and how many 30, students I, do you have
0: in your choir uh, on average?
1: About upper choir has about 40, uh, lower wow. grade is 50. Yeah. It's gotten really big this year. Uh, um, and it's been kind of, <laughs> it's been a new challenge. What not? Uh, I remember my first year, like lower choir had like 10, <laughs> Okay, like, it was okay. common for us to have very low numbers and like, like not very low It's just like low numbers, small numbers. So this is a very small chamber choir now it's big and I don't know what to do myself. Um, and then after that, I go back to my room and I cry. <laughs> you cry. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Is it... It, 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 the, uh, I might have, yeah. So that's that, that is, that capitulates the whole uh, school day. Sometimes on meetings afterwards, but like, that's what it's like, at least for Casillas, Um for me, I, 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 I'm at Casius' job.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. And is there anything in your day that 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 you really look forward to most? What, Or if not most, one of the points at your day that you
1: um that you tend to look forward to that that rotates that shifts depending on what kind of lesson i'm teaching which grade um sometimes like i'm leaning more and more into my movement uh elements of being a teacher so like you know um creative mo- movement being improvisation through uh through movement <laughs> I, I i i hesitate to call it dance because dance is certain connotation yes that it's like choreographed per se but what i do is much more like improvisatory. So okay. whenever we do those kinds of, excuse me, you know, whenever we do those kinds of lessons, um, I really look forward to it. Um, especially since I'm trying to learn more and more how to be a better teacher in those regards. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Also when we do ukuleles, I always enjoy, the, you unit. Know, so it really depends on what, you know, we're working on and, uh, my, what I'm looking forward to shifts.
0: Okay. Early. Yes. Yeah. All right. Um, and now I know that, um, we, I mentioned that we had, um, talked to, we had spoken in episode two about Mr. C. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, can you give us, and so if listeners want to hear that, that episode is a big glimpse into your work as a teacher. Mm-hmm. But um, can you give an, an example more recent than that of a meaningful experience that you've had of, with your students, something that's really touched you in, in some way? Mm. Just to give us a glimpse, uh, maybe a more a focused glimpse of your work
1: sure yeah uh right now our students are getting ready for promotion I mean, specifically my sixth graders are getting ready for promotion
0: promotion being uh, like promotion. graduation ceremony the, on to exactly middle school or high school
1: correct yes uh okay. they call promotions of graduation i don't know but alas that is the nomenclature we use so uh
0: yeah, nomenclature uh, meaning no i'm just kidding
1: go on <laughs> unsubscribe uh, no it's uh and so right now we're we're starting to work on our promotion piece, and um, it's been pretty emotional and not uh, it, it's it's been emotional surprisingly amongst the crowd that has only been here for one year, rather than those who've been there here since kindergarten. And I think I just said it's less hmm. about the fact that they've only been here for one year, and it's more about just like that cohort specifically, that okay. class. Um, but um, it's been yeah it's been like emotional in the sense of like we t- before we start we kind of talk about we don't stick we review the year we like re- reminisce and then we talk about why we're singing we're singing the song uh summer of the rainbow the is version of it um and so it's it's an emotional song and just it's, it's a means of also just like whatever once when we started learning it it was definitely an element of retrospection an element of like being emotional and also an element of like we're gonna miss this place, but also let's make sure that we end off on a an emotional note, a good mm. emotional note.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I know that probably for for most teachers, they also feel that same emotion. But do you think that the the subject that you teach, music, maybe lends itself to um, kind of cause a deeper emotion because you're um, you're working with the them on the this song and you're singing it together, and it's kind of maybe unlocking some things in them that you're able to that they're able to express that other teachers like maybe a math teacher or um, a science teacher may may not get to that same level do you think there do you think your 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 subject kind of causes those mean more meaningful um interactions to take place i
1: can't speak for my general uh friends for for what they do um but i do know that the kind of music that i have in my class which is very communal as you mentioned um i try not to silo our our musicians to where they're just focused on them working on playing the correct notes individually like hot cross button recorder but we play and sing together and move together um and for that very reason yes i do say see that my see that the um the subject that we're working on is very impactful is it more impactful um I'm like a dox for my answers. I don't know if I should say that, but uh, no, it, it, I I feel like I cannot speak for what I know. My general ed teacher friends do amazing stuff. If they do it in an artistic and communal way, then I think that can okay. be just as impactful. Right. Um,
0: but because but the, think, yes, but because your, your work is art and music, that makes it a bit easier for you to, to, to do that. Right. Correct.
1: And I, and also I recognize that especially during this time of year, uh, where, we're having um, state testing, and whatnot, and federal testing. Like, we're it's it's we're, they, their classroom is going definitely away from this communal focus and more mm, into like. Right. But in the same sense, I know that my general teacher friends are are able and do create that same community. Um, I just think I have a little bit more malleability of doing it with the arts. That right. make sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now I know that originally you, after you graduated from college, you, mm-hmm. you were thinking of um, going on to further study in order to teach ethnomusicology mm-hmm. and um, at the university level, but then you were offered a role to teach at the primary or elementary school level. And so I'm wondering um, what convinced you that you, you, know, you actually wanted to stay on this course of teaching younger kids rather than older kids. and. Um, and what yeah and what do you what do you find to be meaningful about the particular age group that you're teaching and what why are you still doing that rather than um you know you know saying calling it quits and doing what you originally thought you would do
1: for me so to those who are not aware ethnomusicology is the study of music of different cultures specifically i wanted to lean into how does philippine music reflect its own culture and part of me still is drawn by that um but in the same sense i've lately been jaded by the higher education system um uh but also the reason i'm staying here in elementary music is uh i enjoy the creativity that these kids have to offer like and not to say that adults don't have it and like you can do a lot of cool stuff differently with adults as well um the approach that i take is what we call orf which is um established by Carl Orff that focuses on music learning uh learning through uh oh got to remember this <laughs> uh through um orff is listening
0: orff is listening uh, to this
1: no but the orff board is listening <laughs> uh imitation uh exploration improvisation and then creation and so that's the process of uh of learning music uh through like first seeing what the teacher does and then you uh, imitate it uh sorry then yeah, imitate then you, imitate it. Then you improvise kind of bend some things and the students take a little bit different approach and then oh I, I i skip on explore there we go uh students explore the concepts in their own means then they go back towards the more structure but they improvise off, and then they create their own idea and you don't see that in higher ed hmm. you don't see that even in the secondary level sadly enough in uh, with music music's is very, I don't know, if I recall my music experience with high school and university, it was very much, here are the facts, the concepts. Let's break these concepts down. Let's write a paper on it. Maybe we perform it Um, in in the performing ensembles. Here are the pieces of music. We do learn and talk about it. But rarely is there that element of, I place my own imprints on it. Hmm. Yes, I do use my voice. I do sing for choir. I do play my flute. My, my the metal off of my uh, flute vibrates into the uh, communal area of the concert band room. But do I, I? I do not have a say in what's written. Only Beethoven does. Only Rachmaninoff does. Only, only even the, the the choir band director have a, a small say. But like the individual does has it has no say. There's no hmm. element of improvisation. There's no element of individuality mixed with the communal and i think that bringing that to the students helps build a sense of efficacy that is so phenomenal and i guess i'm saying all this because i'm not opposed to teaching bigger kids but the structures aren't there the structures aren't there for this kind of mindset and this kind of uh Paradigm to 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 do music, it just doesn't exist right now. And if I start at the early level, um, I can foster a community for where eventually we might have other people take that that um, that mantle to bring it to the university level. I don't know. Or but like uh, I remember, so I, I teach in our Fashion I also teach in what we call. Um, there's another uh, curriculum I follow is uh, called Fire Robin. It's based off this guy named John Fire Robin. It's always name based. Apparently, um, and something that he talks about is like if he he always says if I had if I could if I had the ability to structure time I'd spend more time with kindergartners than I would with the sixth graders because you set that foundation. And similar situation as me as an educator in a more macrocosmic sense, like I have a greater influence on the next generation if I focus focus on the younger kids, even though I can do more because uh, uh, with adults because they're more mentally um, and cognitively like they they've had more life experiences so they can build off of, uh, they can improvise more, but I, I, but setting the the metal essentially uh, the, the, I can, I can bend the metal more over right. at the elementary level than I can at the hmm. university.
0: Okay. So I, I kind of hear two things. One is that you have more um, potential to impact someone's life, the younger they are, because they're they're still learning and they're they're still forming those um connections. Um and, and so it's such an important time of life the younger one is because that will that will be more of making more of an impact on what they experience on their on their future lives. And then another and thing
1: before you go to the second point on all stuff and they dimension, they have less inhibitions. Okay. And they're less afraid to explore.
0: Okay. Right, and you
1: know, as we said earlier, with Corf, is a really important part of the Orf process. So yeah, yeah, and so that
0: that's also what I was thinking for the second one is exploring, helping them to explore or to find their voice. And I think that's another value that you have is you want every voice matters for your children, and you want them to be able to to find their voice. And and so that works with the first point that when they're younger, that's when they're still trying to look, trying to discover what their voice is. I think maybe also college students are trying to find their voice too, but they have more years um, that they've been doing that. But whereas younger children, um, they're just beginning to, so you can equip them even more to find their Mm -hmm. voice. And that's really important for you. So now we'll move on to um, talking more about your your faith. And um, we talked about your values, like community and helping helping your, your children to find their voice. How does your faith influence those values and and your approach to teaching? Your your Christian faith,
1: as opposed to <laughs> my faith. Well, to, no. well, to, to that, our readers, no, our I, I, listeners no, I, know I, that you're a Christian. I got you. I got you there. Um. Well, how does my faith influence my teaching? Um. It's hard for me to parse what is christian and what is just being a good person i feel like in the elements of how it influence my teaching but like like for example a lot of the a lot of like the literature i choose is, is literature that has a sense of weight and hope and is that because i'm christian or is that just because i try I to be a good person can you separate those two i don't know um i know there are a lot of non-christians that also have that same kind of uh, inclination so it's hard for me to say but at least, I guess, from my personal viewpoint, um, the literature I choose being a, a way, uh, being in the sense of weight plus also the search for hope um, is influenced by my faith. And yes, yeah, so can you give an example of what you I, mean? Uh, like a search yeah, for so, hope? And- well, I, going back to episode two of uh, talking about the fact that um, uh, Saturn the song saturn was um it spoke to me at a level and i can't tell if it wasn't for i don't know i've been a christian my whole life again and again that that's been like it's been part of my dna and i've been intentional about it but also i've let my body go where it wants to go uh to do yeah so like um and so like in terms
0: of exploring these questions or exploring um, yeah, it, there's it's different it's, kinds it's not, of music.
1: Correct. So it's not just the four from my brain, but it's just like it's it's just natural. Is what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah, it's where I went. and so like, is the song Saturn a Christian song? No. Uh but it's a very a very spiritual song. I guess I guess it goes back to our quotation of Madeline Longo. Yes, I was just um, thinking that. Yeah, like what does it mean to be a Christian artist? Like, there's a lot of Christian quote unquote Christian art. That's just, I'm going to be straight up. It's trash, Hot, trash, because it's the formulaic. I thought you were going to say um, a
0: worse word than that. That's fine. Go on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I, I know the viewership. So no, Thank it's, it, its uh, yeah, yeah, There, uh, there is a, a lot of music out there that is under the umbrella of Christianity that is garbage, straight up. And if you want to, if you have any questions, which ones you're talking about, you can at me at Mr. Seligman, M-R-S-E-L-I-G-M-A-N. I can, I'm not, I'm, I have no qualms in sharing that, my viewpoints on that. But back to the topic of Saturn. Like, yes, Ryan O'Neill, at least in his early days, I don't know if he still is, but like, he was, is, you know, a Christian. Um, But the song Saturn does not, it's not Christian inherently. There's no naming of christ in it it doesn't you know cite any of the verses from the bible but it's very personal it's very it's very takes the chaos and finds the cosmos in the chaos like i quoted the song in episode two but like the words every time i think about it the words are always poignant like you taught me the courage of stars before you left how life carries on endlessly even after death in shortness of breath, you explain the infinite, how rare and beautiful it is that we exist. Like, I'm sorry, that's dope. <laughs> and like that, that, and so when we, when Mr. Seussam passed, we sang a couple songs. Like we sang "Man in the Mirror," and I was like, you know, if we just sang that, that still would have made a tribute uh, concert for Mr. song because he loved that song. But to bring in this sense of cosmos and chaos, this uh, sense of like wrestling with the darkness to find the, the meaning. In it. And all, the wrestling of the darkness to find, I, I hesitate in the words to find meaning because I don't want, I feel, feel like sometimes you don't find silver linings in everything. And that's okay. But to wrestle with your emotions, to try to process your emotions to find yourself least, in it i guess okay
0: yourself or i was going to say to to name it in some way to name it, it yeah name. i think Lingle would probably say that
1: yeah yeah to do that from my perspective as christian it is christ-like to do that does jesus say on you know the certain of the mount, blessed are those who find themselves no but like they're uh his teaching doesn't evade that um, no and he and he and, and I,
0: his he says that um if you if for those who take up their cross and follow me if you, for those who lose themselves they will find themselves and so it, that's the, the goal of the faith is to find ourselves in in Christ
1: uh-huh and and woe to those that like, just think that psychology is is anti-christian because it's relying not on god but ones on mind like you're right like There are so many ways to interpret scripture, and it's so disappointing for people to interpret scripture that we should not use our brains and we should not use the tools that we've learned to try to find ourselves. And that doesn't make us separate from God. If anything, in finding, if we are pieces of, if we are creation of God, do we not find God in ourselves eventually, as we as we parse through ourselves? If we seek our um, seek our inner like demons and seek our inner thoughts and joys, is not God there as well?
0: Yes. I mean, and then thinking about the cosmos out of chaos that, um, our, our cell are thinking about how our inner selves is like a chaos that God is calling forth cosmos out of that. But we have to be involved in that, in that process. And we have to Mm -hmm. be aware of what's going on and how Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you. Um, and, um, so, and, 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 and St. John Chrysostom, one of the church fathers says that, um, the, the something like the first, the, the, if you want to find the kingdom of God, you must first understand, know yourself, you must first look within yourself, and, and mm-hmm. you'll find the king. You'll that's the beginning of finding the kingdom of God. But so that's that's um, so I, I see that, that you're really unpacking this question about how does your faith influence your teaching. That I think you're saying that um, you don't want to kind of categorize. One aspect of your life as your faith, and another aspect of your life as not your faith, but your whole life is is um, integral to your faith and and to your teaching. And so I can really see that coming across. Um, was there anything so. else you wanted to say about that question? I mean, because basically yes, what I see. But
1: do I have the words? <laughs> that's the right, question. Right. Yeah. Like, like I think that's, that that is the main impetus. Like, how do you separate that? And I. I I feel like someone else mentioned that in the season, like the notion of, I don't know, maybe I've not. Maybe I think it's definitely a a theme that
0: keeps coming (laughs) up. I think is is really um, integrating various aspects of our lives and not um, not separating them, out. compartmentalizing them. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think it's some. It's often useful to to um, to describe one thing separately than other things as we describe it, but in practice. Yes I, I agree I agree with you that um, that our faith is a part of all our lives our, and our lives are a part of our faith And so maybe mm-hmm. this next question I'm gonna ask isn't gonna uh, be easy to answer because of that same reason but <laughs> um, what I prepared was how does teaching music influence your faith? So maybe what I mean by that is um, as opposed how does it influence your faith as opposed to um, ha- um, like your for instance your ability to communicate with other people that's or how does it influence your ability to, um, uh, I don't know, socialize. I'm not really focusing on that as much as your spiritual life. And I know that spirituality is part of everything, but if it's possible to, to answer this question, it'd be nice if you can try.
1: I think it's safe to say that the past two years have been hard on everyone. Um, except for certain demographic people, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, Like it's, it's been really difficult. Um, I feel like I've building up to 2020 has been a, there's been a lot of hardships to where I have like, not questioned my faith. It was definitely like my, my spiritual self has been beaten prior to 2020. And then the uh, slew of things hit come 2020 with COVID, with economic disparity, with everything like i want to say that it was exclusive to 2020 but like it we opened up that we mm-hmm. saw the racial reckoning of like a lot of just mm. uh just ra- race and took it to a different face, uh, not took a different face we just saw it for what
0: mm.
1: it was because we were stuck in our homes um mm. and also anti-asian hate as well taking an increase 150 percent in one since 2020 it's just like and like I just it was a lot of like questioning of like it's not so much that I didn't believe that God exists it was more so that I questioned where is God in the midst of this does he care hmm. um and I, I i I came back to the classroom um there was A sense of, as I taught these kids, like the sparks of joy when they created, the sparks of joy when they sang and moved. Like, I don't have the answers. I, I, no one, if we're honest with ourselves, no one has the answers. But I was at least able to find hope again,
0: Hmm.
1: or be, or at least see that the journey. Of my faith still continues, and even though there's been a lot of trash that's been happening um, this past decade, and this past century, and this past lifetime, uh, the goal, the, the the work still continues, and I it's not it's not without hope, and I know again it's it's never been the element of it, God does not exist. I think it's, I think it's been, I I think as I've entered my, as I enter my thirties and my, even my my mid twenties as well, like I start to see God's role differently. It's not, maybe it's kind of like, maybe it's because I've seen it through the perspective of a teacher, like the whole, like um, there's a sense of like, when you start teaching a child, you have a lot of control and you start to slowly release control. Um, You start removing the scaffolds away. Mm when you teach child and as I've gotten older it's kind of like yes the thing like when I was younger I like I I danced and interacted with God in a very special way and it was very much like God was you know like I it was almost as if like I didn't have to do anything God did it for me (laughs) and now as I got older it's like you have a you have a role in this you have a say in this and it's not going to come easily and there's a lot of problems in this world and we need good people to help bring the kingdom of God here. Um, And so I feel like as I've gotten back into teaching in the classroom, there has been a sense of like paradigm shifts and hope whatnot to like where uh, um, my faith is not like, it's not as stable as 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 it was my teens and my, but like I at least see the vision of where I need to be and where God is and hmm. where things are. The chess board is kind of like, I see the pieces. I don't see the direction where, how, how we'll get to the end, but like the pieces are there. That makes sense. Maybe well, chess is the wrong analogy, but like.
0: Yeah. I, I, I said I think, a lot
1: of words in the abstract. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. So if you could give more concrete examples, maybe well, first, <laughs> first like uh, what, when you, when you say um, the children give you hope, And it sounds like they kind of nourished your faith in your faith in God or your faith in like that this world is going somewhere that God has a plan. There's cosmos that's emerging. If you could, first of all, give more concrete example of how the the children nourished your faith, um, helped you to have this glimpse that there is kind of a purpose to where we're going in this world, which is what it sounds like you were saying.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like I think, I think that it's easy to just get swamped into like nothing matters. It's easy to get swamped into like, wow, we're in a lot of darkness right now. And like, you don't see anything beyond it. But seeing, you know, working with the kids, seeing that like they all have their own, they all have their own spark, their own narrative, their own path that they will eventually take when they leave this, uh, this, this, uh, the school, like it having the sense of mission that like, I'm here to make an influence on these kids Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and has given me a different sense of purpose. And Mm. in that, I guess my dance with God was rejuvenated. It's not direct. It's not like I can't create a paper. I, I can't write a paper off my answer because there's no direct connection other than what I feel. And I feel that things are not as easy as they used to be. The world is like much bigger than I thought it was, but at least when I see my students and when I see what they can create, you know, when I see that, what they can bring to the world for the next generation, my sense of hope is is realigned for lack of a better term, not re- re- rejuvenated, but realigned. That makes sense. Okay.
0: I think I understand now. Like the- this I apologize hope-
1: to all the listeners. that have to deal with my abstractness here.
0: No, uh, no, this is helpful to to work it through. Um. Um, yeah, sometimes you have to talk things through and or write things through to h- however one processes processes things, uh, whether it's with a British or an American accent. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, it sounds like, and this kind of leads to the the kind of the final segment of our conversation on vocation yeah. mm-hmm. um, that it, your the sense of hope it seems like comes from a purpose that you find in teaching, yeah. and that purpose being in going back to this emerging theme of cosmos out of chaos is that you are. You, are, you have these children that are you're responsible for teaching them one tiny um, bit of their day or their week, but that in itself can make an impact on them, on their communities, on the world. And so you, you get a sense of purpose and hope from that role that you have and that responsibility that you have in guiding them and um, yes. encouraging them. That, that makes a lot of sense. And, and so... So I was gonna ask that, do you understand your work to be a calling? And, and if so, how? And it sounds like that's, maybe that's how you find your work to be a calling is that y- there's this purpose that you have to, to help bring these more, ca- more cosmos into these children's lives and into the wider world through how you teach them. Is that right?
1: Very much so, very much so. Um, I definitely hold the notion that like every voice matters. Um, and that, and if I can, I recognize that growing up myself, that I didn't believe my voice mattered. Um, I might've been not been able to communicate that, but I did believe that in the end, I'm just one speck in the grand, I'm just, another, I'm just a cog in the grand scheme of things, but my cog does matter. <laughs> and my like, like without me, it would be a different world would we survive as a, as a human race? Sure. I, I hope so. It's <laughs> a lot of weight on me if not, but, uh, uh, but nevertheless, like I, I don't, des- I don't desire any child to view the world like, like I did and that I'm still processing, I'm guessing. Um, and so if I can help students find their voice through the art that I am most attuned to, then I feel like my, for lack of better term, my calling is satisfied. Mm. I guess.
0: Yeah, and that's that. That has a lot of intersections with um, just a lot of the conversations we've had on forecast. Mm-hmm. When you when you mentioned just now that this is your art that you're most attuned to, music, yeah. um, that connects with the quote that we've repeated is, um, vocation is where your deep gladness meets the world's deep need. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's echoing with what you're saying that you're, I don't know if it's you, it's your deep gladness, but it's certainly, um, it's music is a big part of your life, a, a core part of your life. You enjoy it. You, you have skills at it. You've studied it for most of your life. Um, we even have a few songs that you've written together that we've written together to, um, that, that, mm-hmm. um, um, and as children, we've wrote songs that we, you probably wouldn't want people to hear now um, because of how funny, <laughs> how embarrassing they would be. But it's something you've been doing from childhood is, is making music, creating music, um, singing, performing, and then helping students to um, use music. You're using that, that gift, that um, ability to um, engage with students and encourage them to also, as you say, find their voice. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, so one thing I was wondering was how, how, um, do you know when a, ch- a child has found their voice or like, what are you looking for? When you say find their voice, what, what does that look like?
1: I mean, that is not something that I will ever know it when they have reached it okay. as someone who's still constantly trying to find the voice, because I think it is something that is a continual journey. And like even like one's voice will well, the new as you go through puberty, our voices will change, you know, like taking that parallel like it's always gonna be adjusting, but you uh, i'm sorry that that caveat you asked once again,
0: no, but that's 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 an interesting point that this is something that you're kind of planting seeds yes for yes. To, for a harvest in the future that you may not actually see um but i was oh, I was also wondering if how do you um if are there any um any glimpses of those harvests in your classroom when you are teaching your students do you ever see your student a student finding their voice and what is i, I guess i was just, maybe if you could give an example just so that the listeners can have a clearer idea um sure, of yeah. what that, what that means
1: Everyone, i i have seen different teachers approach it different ways um one thing i really like uh, this one educator her name is Alice Soy and it seems like any podcast that i'm on if i say that that's on my bingo card <laughs> you can check that off but uh no, so one of the things i really admire what she does is she has her students say affirmations um to where they they like they constantly speak it to the point where like, it's just part of their dna it's like where like my voice matters our voice matters we all shine bright you know they say that every week i believe if she's listening she can correct me wrong but um That all said, like that, I like there. There have been different approaches on how one can do it. For me, though, that's where the impro. Where do I see it? Is um in their improvisation. It's in their uh. When I see a child that's very stiff and like self-conscious, um, I'm not saying they haven't found their voice. They have, (laughs) but like. you, I see that a lot, and that's understood, and that's like that's part of the process. But then when I see a child that is dancing to the same music, and they're moving, and they are moving without hindrance, they're moving in their own unique fashion, something that I didn't teach, but it was still based off of the foundations that I gave them. It is a delight. It is a delight, and it's like I try, I try to showcase that uh, the these students moving. Um, to the rest of the class so that it's not just seen in a microcosm between them and their partner so i I guess i should speak in more more concrete terms uh one of the uh, lessons that um i do is a mirroring activity i play some music and their goal is to move their body with one of the laban movements i've taught them float glide dabbing not the whole Dab dabbing, but like dabbing with like paint, dabbing with a like little dot stipple or uh, pushing. So, using one of those uh, LeBond or, or mixture of all them. And as long as they use that, they aren't using the other leban movements that I, we talked about slashing, punching, flicking, ringing. Uh, as long as they're using the four, I've, I, I've given the limitations to, they're welcome to improvise off of that. Mm,
0: okay.
1: And so, what happens is one person, uh, one of the students moves and the other person mirrors okay. copy and then i ring the bell and then the next student leads and the other uh, so, so that student a, initially student a leads student b mirrors i ring the bell right student b leads student a mirrors and it's up to them how they want to move and some like, as i mentioned earlier sometimes you see very a lot of stiffness and a lot of like kids giggling because this is very different but then sometimes you see students that are totally in their element okay like they are moving ways that i was I, I i i didn't teach them like uh they're moving away from their space in and out they're jumping and, like, and i was like oh okay that's a cool idea and seeing how each like, and then you see another group t- taking the, the approach differently uh okay and so in that i see glimpses of their voice being or their voice they're, they're, they're f- them finding confidence in their voice
0: Right. I think confidence is a good word. I'm getting, I'm getting a clearer picture, like um, confidence, -confidence, self-confidence, being comfortable in their own skin um, and uh, being just relaxed around other people. Um, Yeah. I hear that. Okay. Thank you. Sure. And and another way that I I see this as um, kind of um, echoing other conversations is well, our, the season began with Will and me talking about, how there's different kinds of voc- uh, vocation. There's a universal kind of vocation, which is something that we are all called to do. And in this case, I think I'm just, as I'm thinking out loud, talking with you, I think we are, maybe we're all called, one of the things we're all called to do is to bring cosmos out of chaos, is to yeah. participate in God's work of, of making everything new. And, um, uh, and so, but then, then there's the, per- the very personal ways that each of us do that. And, um, and that's, that's a very, everyone's going to do that differently. And, um, and, and for you, I think one of those ways is through music um, and, and um, whether that's creating music, whether that's teaching music, whether that's performing or leading worship music, um, which you do all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but your, specific way of bringing cosmos out of chaos may be I'm not one to say that's really between you and God, I think, but at the same time, there's discernment, there's communal discernment right. that helps. I think that's one of the things that's quite clear about your life is that um, music is a gift God has given you and you have been able to use that to um, bring cosmos out of chaos in students lives in your compositions, various things. And then there's this kind of middle third um, kind of vocation which, which as I'm beginning to understand, I think it's more like the just forms of ways that various groups of people tend to um, do the, the universal vocation. So in this case, maybe teaching is, um, mm-hmm. teaching is, is a, a way that you're, you're not the only music teacher out there. There's lots of people who have taught music, who have brought cosmos out of chaos through teaching music. And that's, that's, the shape, that's one of the shapes through which you are um, doing this. But, uh, but that's, that's very helpful to, to see. Um, are there just kind of, as we're closing this conversation, um, are there any other ways? Cause, cause one of the things that I'd like to do, we'd like to do through these conversations is not to, to, to focus only on someone's professional work as vocation, mm-hmm. because vocation is more than just what you get paid to do. In your right, case, right, right. I think um, it's very clear that you're fortunate that you can combine you know, what you love to do with what you're paid to do and you can bring cosmos out of chaos. And I think to many degrees, people can do that in many jobs, but Mm -hmm. um, are there any other ways in your life that you are perhaps following this call to bring cosmos out of chaos, to be creating with God or yeah. And to, 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 we can find many ways to say it. um, But uh, are there any other ways that you might think of in your life besides teaching music that you're that you feel or, understand yourself as being called to um participate with god in this way
1: who was the th- the second person you interviewed uh, alina was it right yes for yeah i she's i forgot what she shared she was sharing something along the lines of like for her her photography is like not vocational or something or it was like because it was just something that she's not working it's she's. It's, it's more of a hobby oh was it wasn't yes, the like, differentiating right. hobbyist work
0: that's right yeah it was,
1: it was okay, a yeah. hobby, but not a vocation. Okay. And for me, similar to her, my my photography is something I do on the side. It's something I do for fun. Um, and in the lens that we were saying earlier, I think it's not my vocation, but in the lens we're talking about right now in the cosmos out of chaos, I, I feel like let's be real, everything we do is a work of art. Like, I know that sounds super, it can be seen as super saccharine and it's placed on all of the inspirational posters you want, but it's true. Like, everything we do is, that we, that is visible, that is, or that is seen in community, which is constantly, especially with social media, like, it's, it is, it is an imprint upon society. It might not be as powerful as, like, say, like, te- me teaching, but, like, when i create photography like other people will comment on it and so like there's a sense and then there's a the response there is an impression and a response and i feel like that plays a role uh and so is that part of my vocation maybe probably like it's like a, a d tier or i don't know it's definitely a high, lower tier on the the arbitrary tier scale i just made up but um yeah like i also like you know i lead worship at at living water. So that plays a role as well. Probably more on the B tier of stuff. Um, But
0: I see. Yeah. I you're kind know. of having different uh, levels think, of, of um, how you are following this calling and the right. amount of time I, you can commit to it, perhaps.
1: And I believe that everyone's gifted. I just don't think everyone has been, ta- has tapped into it. Like I, I recognize that I have a lot of skills that I'm gifted and I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for the educators that have nurtured me along those ways. I, uh, but um, I think that my my one of the things I'm trying to tr- trying to think about, you know, like everything's vocational. Conversations we have are vocational. The community you, you build is voc- is part of the vocation as well. Um, I'm trying to focus on my time is limited. My time on this earth is limited. My energy is limited, and so. Where do I want to place that in? Hmm. And so, because I will other, like, if I try to do, to do 100% in everything, either I will burn out, or I will not do everything to its to an appropriate effectiveness. Yeah. So yeah. it's hard for me to say. I, I think everything is vocational is is my answer, but I'm trying. I'm pl- placing a lot of weight into this element of. Music, music education, music education yes. advocacy because of my limited time on this earth.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And I think that that's a helpful point about vocation and everything is vocational being every aspect, every chapter, every um, element of our lives, we're called to do something um, constructive or we're called to bring that um, before God. In some way, to make cosmos out of chaos, mm-hmm. and um, and that also echoes what our our most recent episode um, will interviewed Ryan Weiss, and he is talking about um, he's a professor, he's also a dad, a husband, uh, and and he sees all of those as callings as well. But it's mm-hmm. it's about it's juggling um, it's he has to juggle them because they they all call for his attention, and he needs to know how to um, devote his time to. His, you know, a portion out his time. And that's similar to what you're saying. And so Mm -hmm. that's helpful that, um, that, um, yeah, it's kind of like a pie chart. You're a teacher, school teacher. And I just remember in elementary school, those pie charts of like, you know, one might be 45%, one might be 15% and all of that. And so we just have to kind of gauge the right percentage of um, what we're doing and and make sure the balance is right, given the priorities in our life um, and that might change at different times of our life, right. um, mm-hmm. depending on yeah, like um, yeah, if you, if you have a family, that would change. You, I'm sure that would that be would, more of your pie than than you know than um, than um, like <laughs> teaching. Well, maybe not more than teaching, but it would be more. Your teaching would shrink as a result. Everything of that. would change. Everything would change. Yeah, the pie, the pie would, would
1: change, change. because um, going on this notion of everything is vocational, like my the relationships I build with my partner and with my kids, if I have that, you know, it's like that, ha- like my energy, I, again, my energy is limited. I have realizing that in my thirties, <laughs> my energy is limited. My knees hurt. So like, where am I going to place energy? in that's the big question. Uh, like I'm like, well, something I was talking to a friend of mine, like I'm noticing as I'm getting older, like what buttons am I going to punch? Like I can, I have, it's not, I used to view, like, I just give given my all take this like whole anime approach it's like try harder oh, like, no it's like i gotta choose the right buttons to punch in order for the right things to happen and it's gonna mean that i have to let go of certain things that i enjoy or it means that i gotta place all my effort into one area it's like it's, where are you gonna place the effort in like that that's the real question now at least this decade in my life
0: yeah yes and um and but but then but I think what you're saying is no matter where you apportion that and that's that's yes. an important question is is maybe the calling is to um, is to follow God in whatever it is we're doing um, even if that's just um, resting and, and relaxing that that too might be part of uh, that too might be a way to bring cosmos out of chaos in the sense of helping us to recover but no matter what it is is that goal of, of the cosmos and well, well, John, I know you're a very busy guy um, with your teaching, with your, um, I mean, teaching takes up a lot, of, a lot of your time. And so I'm thankful that you've um, given a little slice of the pie for us today to have this conversation. And I trust and, uh, that this too, I hope this conversation will bring Cosmos out of chaos too, um, that we've had. And, um, and, and so thank you, John, for, for taking the time. And I know these Mm -hmm. questions, you know, there, there are a lot of, um, uh, questions that cause some, some deep thought. And so thank you for, for doing that. And it's, I, I have found it helpful and I, and I hope that our listeners will as well. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And you've mentioned your, um, your, uh, Instagram. uh, Uh,
1: Yes. So yeah. Well, I I mentioned Twitter, but it's the same thing. So Yeah. Yeah. If you want to like contact me and reach me out, it's like, you're welcome to message me at Mr. Seligman, M-R-S-E-L-I-G-M-A-N. Also um, another vocation I have is not just music education, music education advocacy. Uh, I run a podcast myself with my friend Crystal Primore called chaotic Harmony. So if you want to check that out, it's um, socials are at CH classroom. because at chaotic classroom is classrooms way too long. So um, yeah, feel free to uh, check us out there and um see where, where, see how the vocation's working in that realm and how we're bringing cosmos out of chaos in that area.
0: Nice. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, Thanks a lot, John. And again, for your time and, to, and for your insights with us. So we hope you all enjoyed this episode. If you did, be sure to share it with someone you think would appreciate it. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. So do get in touch by emailing us at foreshadowmagazine at gmail.com. You can also reach out on various social media platforms. You can visit foreshadowmagazine.com to read new writings and listen to other work and podcasts posted every week. And feel free to sign up for our free weekly newsletter to get updates in your email inbox about the newest thing Foreshadow is doing. So thanks everyone for listening. And again, thank you, John, for the time today. That's the forecast for today.